You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to be talking about phase two of the NASM OPT model. It is strength endurance training, phase two, and I know that the majority of people, when they start training, they kind of, well, at least I did when I first started training. It might be different nowadays, but it was like three sets of 10 is what you did. Three sets of 10. Uh, How many, what are we going to do today? You didn't have, you never asked that question. You ask what exercises maybe, what body part, but you never ask what uh, the set range and the rep range was because we were going to do three sets of 10. Now, if we were doing a chest day, it might be three sets of bench, three sets of incline, three sets of decline, three sets of flies, but it was three sets of 10 repetitions on everything if that was like your your chest day. Well, it's it's questionable and it's not wrong, but what is righter? So what we would do is uh, I wouldn't start anybody off with chest day or leg day. It's just too much volume for somebody that hasn't really worked out before. But sometimes trainers give a little pushback because people don't want to start sometimes with stabilization endurance training. And when they don't want to start with stabilization endurance training, then the trainers come to me and they say, do I have to do stabilization endurance training? Is it a requirement? Is it an NASM requirement? Will I lose my credentials if I do not do stabilization endurance training with my clients first? And the answer is yes. Yes, the NASM police will come and strip you of your credentials, you charlatan. That's a, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Um, you're not going to lose your credentials. There's no NASM police, but it's about understanding why you do what you do and to create a base and to pre- prepare people for movement and higher repetitions allows us to neurologically make sure that we're getting our movement correctly before we load it. We get our stabilization muscles working more than our primary movers to stabilize the joints. We get our connective tissue more prepared so that we can help to strengthen not just the muscles, but the tendons and uh, the the soft tissue around it, even our, our uh, body getting used to movement without excessive load. And then sometimes if it's not that as heavy, then it's easier to cue them into the movement patterns we want them to be in. So there's a lot of reasons, but uh, sometimes there's pushback. And I'll give you an example. I had a guy Push back with me. I said, I want to start with, uh, you know, high repetitions. He's like, I, bro, I came in here. I want to get jacked. Came in here to get jacked. I want to lift weights. And I was like, all right, cool. But like, you don't really work out. So I'm going to start you at this level. And he just kind of defiant. And I was like, all right, cool. Here's, here's what let's do. Why don't you pick an exercise that you want to do? And then I'll pick an exercise I want you to do. And we'll do a superset for it. So it'll be that same muscle. And we're just going to work that same muscle back to back. We're going to do a a strength exercise for it. And then we'll do a um, a stabilization exercise for it. So he was was okay with that. As long as he felt like he was going to get his strength training in and that he could build muscle, he was cool with it. So, of course, he picked 
chest. Yes, of course. Imagine a guy picking chest to do. So we said, all right, what do you want to do? A bench press, dumbbell chest press, bench press. All right, cool. So we're going to do a bench press. And at the time, we were really big into using stability balls for stabilization training. Uh, I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I just don't use them very much anymore. And part of the reason is when you do exercises on equipment that it's not designed to be done with, then if anything wrong happens, anything unfortunate happens, then you might be liable saying, why would you do push-ups on a stability ball? Are they designed for that? And a stability ball company will say no. And then the uh, attorneys would say, aha, and then that, and then you lose the case. So just finding means of stabilization where you can do things and, and safely go about it. But this is what we did at the time. I said, all right, cool. Let's do um, a bench press. And then we will do a stabilization equivalent. So we're going to do push-ups, hands on a stability ball. He was like, all right, cool. I said, but you got to do my tempo. When we do the tempo for the chest, and, and like you can do moderate and slow tempo, and I'll get into the variables, but I gave him specific numbers. And I said, we're going to go slower than you'll normally go. We're going to go slower. So with that said, whatever you think you're going to lift, we're doing a superset. So you can't say, oh, I mean, let's just throw on 45s, right? So let's go a little bit lighter, and uh, we're going to do three sets of 10 with a 60 second rest in between each one. He was like, all right, cool. So I think we ended up putting like, uh, you know, a reasonable amount of weight, something he felt like he could do 15, maybe 20 reps of, and we just did them slower. And so he did his 10, fine. It was a challenge, it was fine. And then immediately off the bench, onto the ball. And I was like, you gotta go slow here. So of course he tries to go fast. And, and I was like, slow down, slow down. I'm gonna count it out. And so I would say, I want you to lower down for three, two, one, pause at the bottom, stay there, up. Good, lower down, two, three, hold it, hold it, get back down there, hold it, stay right there. Good, now come back up. Excellent. He got two reps, two reps, and then collapsed onto the ball. I said, oh, all right, cool. And I pushed the ball underneath the bench. The bench is stabilizing the ball, so he's still on the ball. He's still doing push-ups. And he did two more. And then I said, okay, let's move the ball and we'll go hands on the bench because he was not doing a hands on floor push up and he did like two or three more and then eventually we straddled the bench put the hands on the bar uh, the racked barbell and finished our repetitions there with what i might add was significant struggle but at a nice very slow tempo and now you got 60 seconds to break before we do it again Okay, that is where I got the buy-in. Then he was buying into it. So what I'm saying is like, if you were like, hey, do I have to start an endurance training? I would say, no, you don't have to. But I'd like to still include it. So if you're not gonna do phase one because of whatever reason, maybe pushback from a client where they just wanna go into heavier lifts, then add the stabilization portion into it by doing the superset. So just move them into phase two of the NASM OPT model. Do the strength endurance training. Strength endurance training is, and let's, let's kind of get, go an overview here of the OPT model. There's, um, there's phases, 
and there are levels. There are three levels of the OPT model, stabilization, strength, and power. There are five phases. So level one, phase one. So we've got uh, level one is stabilization, and then we've got stabilization endurance. Uh, yeah, so stabilization endurance. Uh, two is strength training. So we've got strength endurance, muscular development, and max strength. And then level three is power training. And also the phase is power training, but the phase really is more like power endurance kind of. It's a post-activation potentiation. So it's a superset of two different types of power training, a max strength lift supersetted with a light explosive movement uh, where you're focusing on speed production. All right, so cool. There's, there's, there are the levels. Today, we're gonna look at the phase two, it's strength training and it's strength endurance. It is a hybrid type of training. It is a superset of a traditional strength training lift supersetted with what we would refer to, or at least used to actually call, it's stabilization equivalent. It's stabilization equivalent. So you would do something, uh, a traditional strength training exercise, and you would superset it with a biomechanically similar exercise that will challenge stability. It's gonna be eight to 12 repetitions of each of them. The strength tempo is what we will refer to as moderate. So when I was putting numbers on it, I did two, zero, two. So an eccentric uh, for two, no pause, and then lifting back up concentrically for two. So a two, zero, two. Uh, if you were to add another zero at the top to show you're not resting there, so it'd be two, zero, two, zero. Well, then the stabilization tempo, uh, we just say do it slowly. I, I put numbers on it just so I have something to work with so they can hear, not just me going slow down, right? So it'd be three seconds, eccentric, pause at the bottom for two, lift a little bit faster. So lift for one, no pause at the top, lowering back down. So a three, two, one, zero tempo for the, uh, the, the stabilization lift. What's easier sometimes, which I still do with the majority of my client, moderate tempo, and then I just kind of judge that. I'm like, slow down. I want you to go a little bit slower. You can pick up the speed just a little bit. They're just a moderate tempo. Great. Um, I always have to tell people to slow down for the, the stabilization component of it because they always start off too fast where it's just like, I want you to do it slow. I call it the Tai Chi version of lifting. It just needs to be slow. Whatever slow you think I want, I want you to go slower than you think I want you to go. And that generally, just that cue generally gets me pretty close to the tempo that I actually do want. All right. Well, so those are variables that we look at. So there's the, the tempo and the set range and the rep range and so, uh, but let's look at some examples of the exercises, because I think that's where some people really get kind of caught up a little bit. So we'll start with, let's do a traditional leg exercise, a barbell squat, a barbell back squat. Let's get more specific, a barbell back squat. But then you can superset that with something like a single leg squat. Now, you can do a single leg holding dumbbells by your side. I generally will have people do a single leg squat with no weights at first and have them squat down to a bench. So squatting down to a bench. And if they have a hard time getting up from the bench, I just have them do the negative. 
I have them go single leg squat down onto the bench and then stand up with two legs. Now, if I think they're really close and that they can get it, I might take uh, an Airx pad, for example, put it on the bench, which gives them about a two inch higher uh, raise so that they can lower it down. And just with that extra two inches, they can get back up off the bench. So I might provide a look, but I notate it. I got to notate it. I got to write it down. So squat to bench, and then I'll put in parentheses with Eric's pad. So W slash Eric's. All right, that's helpful. But that's an example of a traditional strength training exercise supersetted with its stabilization equivalent. It's biomechanically similar exercise with a stabilization challenge. Single leg squat. Here's another example. Let's go uh, barbell or dumbbell RDLs. So you hit that Romanian deadlift and you superset that with a single leg or a kickstand RDL. And that's super nice because single leg or kickstand and the kickstand is there if the single leg balance is too challenging. So we're still challenging the balance a little bit, but you got your toes on the ground of the other leg so that you're, you're assisting with the balance, but you're still working the stabilization with all that focus on the one leg. I think it's helpful. It's like a, uh, a progression. So the, or the kickstand would be a regression and then the single leg would be the progression when it comes to the stabilization version of the RDL. Well, what about a barbell bench press or a dumbbell chest press? Well, we talked about it with an example I gave, but you could do just push-ups, push-ups on the floor, push-ups uh, from the knees. My preference is instead of from the knees, keep the whole body straight because that's the stabilization you're looking for, the core challenge. So then you can add in like hands on a bench, hands on a box, hands on a table, hands against the wall version of that push-ups. Also, what we do is we have, uh, you know, the squat racks and you can take the J hooks from the squat racks that you put the bar on and you put those J hooks relatively low and then you can loop a power band around those J hooks and you can hold on and do push-ups holding on to the, the power band. And that is a highly unstable exercise where you are then required to stabilize. I like that. I like suspension versions, whether or not that's a, a, a TRX or a jungle gym or just putting the weights heavy enough on a cable machine that when you do a push-up with the handles that you don't lift the weight up when you do your push-ups on top of them. I think it's a great exercise. Um, you could also just do a, a single leg cable chest press. So standing on a single leg, doing a cable chest press. Uh, if you needed to, you could just do a cable chest press because those can be relatively unstable, but it is the progression towards the stabilization is what you're really working towards. What about lat pull down? You can do a single leg lat pull down for the stabilization equivalent. You can do a standing lat sweep, a standing lat pull down. These are examples of things that you can do. A barbell shoulder press, superset it with a bottoms up kettlebell press. That is a stabilization challenge. You could do scaptions. You could do bent over shoulder presses or bent over scaptions. All challenging the shoulders and working stabilization. What are we looking at here? Two to four sets for each superset, one to two supersets per body part. So let's say I do the uh, squats, 
and a barbell squat. And I superset that with a dumbbell single leg squat and say, all right, cool. We're going to do three sets of that superset with 60 seconds rest in between. But then I can do another leg exercise. So I can still do another body part, one to two body part, uh, supersets per body part. So you could do two, a superset of chest. You can do another superset of chest in that same workout if you want to, all looking at an 8 to 12 repetition range for both the strength and the stabilization exercise. Moderate to slow tempo. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in your book, you're going to see this. It says 0 to 60 seconds rest. But what does 0 seconds rest? Because doesn't 0 seconds rest just mean that you keep going? <laughs> and it does. But. What they're talking about with zero seconds rest is that if you're going to do a vertical load of a superset, which means let's say you're going to do um, uh, a squat curl overhead press total body exercise superset it with a single leg squat to scaption. It'd be a, a stabilization equivalent. So a similar exercise that you're looking at. And then immediately after, you're going to go into your barbell squat and then superset that with a single leg uh, squat or a step up to balance. So this is a, a it's kind of a circuit, right? So the reason that there's a zero to 60 seconds rest between is that zero just means you're going right to the next superset. And then from there, you go right to the next exercise or superset until you end that circuit. Well, what does a 60-second rest mean? 60-second is you do the two leg exercises and take a break for a minute. And then do the two leg exercises and take a break for a minute, known as a horizontal load. So you're just doing the two supersets and then break. And then do the supersets again and then take a break. So this is also a part of the endurance training because you get that 60 second rest right there then uh it's not enough time to to build back up your atp stores so you don't have enough creatine phosphate uh over time to to develop that and get the atp back up so you are working endurance by doing even only a 60 second rest there there's a lot of work built into the strength endurance protocols also, for those of you interested, if you're looking to burn a lot of calories, then you can do that with these supersets. Incredibly challenging and, and metabolically demanding. But also, if you're looking to gain muscle, if you're looking to gain muscle, then that will support you as well. Well, which one is it, Rick? Are we gaining muscle? Are we losing body fat? Well, that also then depends on your diet. So you gain muscle, but you got to have you got to have the nutrition that supports that. You can't just be like protein poor and build muscle. It's not how it works. You'll get exhausted. You might get stronger, but you may not build that much muscle. Certainly, you will get stronger if you're also adding in that protein just so you can develop it. But also for those of you who do metabolically enhanced workouts, so metabolic conditioning, which this can be a part of it, and you can even do... Uh, a superset, and then throw in a cardio, and then take your break. A superset, cardio, break. Great. That, that'll, that'll metabolize and burn 
a lot of calories, great. But having the dietary support to get your clients where they need to go. We do know that the outcomes for the weight gain, you have to bring in the calories and do the lifting. The, the best outcomes for fat loss specifically is the higher intensity lifting, right? Adding in some higher intensity cardio and also having a caloric deficit. Well, the, we're hoping that the exercise creates a caloric deficit, uh, but you can also add in the nutritional component. And we do see in the research that that does better when you focus on diet and exercise, not just one or the other. And that, my friends, behavior change, that's consequential. Looking at how we, um, how we behave or how our clients deal with some of the, the issues that pop up. But what we're dealing with right now is a strength endurance protocol. And it's a great workout, metabolically demanding, and it's good for those people also who are just like, I don't want to do this stabilization endurance. And you're like, all right, I'm, we're still going to do it, but we're also going to do what you want to do too. And it's a nice fusion between uh, stabilization and endurance, or, or strength and endurance, which is why it is called strength endurance. By the way, everything in the OPT model is named based off of what you get from it. Do you want stabilization and endurance? Do stabilization endurance. Do you want strength and endurance? Do strength endurance. All named based off of the outcomes of the type of resistance training you do. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for entertaining me as I uh, try to go through and explain this particular portion of the OPT model, which I really like because... It's one of those that can satiate the appetites for uh, two different viewpoints. The, the viewpoint where a client may want something and the trainer wants something else, then you don't have to, you don't have to be like, listen, if you don't do it this way, then we're moving on, right? Like you have to find another trainer. You can still be their trainer. You can still provide for them. Um, it's, it's like my mama used to do around Christmas time where she would, uh, she gave us a box. It's old. They were old boxes with, it was old toy boxes, but we didn't care because we opened something, but inside there would be socks. And uh, that's a true story, by the way. And it's um, not appreciated when I was young, but we would open those boxes because she wanted us to have something to open. She wanted us to have something, but she also gave us what we needed. So we will then take that and say, give them what they need wrapped in what they want. And that's what you can do with this strength endurance workout. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. And if you got questions for me, you can hit me up. Hit me up on Instagram or threads at dr.rickritchie. Or you can email me, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Y'all keep inspiring people to fitness. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.